Das ist meine Scheiße. So this is all coming off the back of something Alice and I were talking about earlier, which is doing the uh, TF No Flyin tour at some point in the future yes. and where we mm. could go, realizing that outside the English-speaking world, our number one, like, our country with the most listeners is Germany. It's true. Yeah. I don't understand it. Maybe it's like a form of sort of vicarious entertainment for them that, you know, you get home from your job at the factory that makes precision machine parts and machines that make precision machine parts. Uh, and instead of playing like precision ma machine parts making simulator or whatever, you listen to a podcast about a country where everything is terrible and you're like, oh, delightful. Yeah. See what's going on yeah. in Britain this week. <laughs> Kennst du die Trash Future? Ich liebe das Scheiße. <laughs> I, I'm not it's, happy. I'll be honest. I'm not happy that we're telling just, Germans who Matt Hancock is. I don't like them having that base of knowledge. You know? Yeah, like I'm gonna I'm gonna take some time off of my job at the precision material at the precision manufacturing parts from mach precision manufacturing machines factory. Yep. I'm gonna call Hans, see if he's back from his fisting retreat, yep. and then take one of my six months of annual leave so I can watch Matt Hancock at SAS Who Dares Wins. The cleaning staff have got to hate it when their when their venue's hosting the fisting retreat. <laughs> it's fine. They're very considerate. They put a tarp down. I I think mm. we could genuinely do a show in Berlin. I just the vibes would be so weird. So if you are if you Rusty. are German, if you if you live in Berlin, if you live anywhere near Berlin, no one, no one German lives in Berlin. <laughs> They're all Australian. It's going to be a higher Australian ratio than the Australia tour. <laughs> then, uh, you know, let us know. And, you know, bully Riley into, into letting us do a tour in Germany. Oh, oh, we've got to bully Riley into going to Berlin. It's going to be so hard. I think the no-fly tour only counts if you take a boat. You have to Ooh, go, like, yeah. by kayak Ooh. or canoe, you know? I'd like mm. to see, like, uh, the just... GoPro cam as you make your way to Berlin. Well, well, we're all sort of like kayaking into into Hamburg Harbor in order to do a live show right. around the various ports of northern Germany. Mm -hmm. That's a, a perfect uh, a trash future kayak tour. Uh, come see us uh, in the Heligoland Bay. Yeah, see which one um, of us fakes our own right. deaths in the kayak. Yeah. So, uh, welcome, welcome to, to TF. It's the free Deep episode. Mm. Uh, the free episode. Miley, going to say anything about that? It's the free one. Thank you. Um, Alice was referencing uh, John the British Darwin. guy. From, yes. Is he from Hartlepool? He the guy who faked his own death in a kayak, and then they got caught because he lived in he lived in the attic of his own house for like three months while they waited for the search to die down. And then his wife got the life insurance money, and they both moved to Panama and bought like a fancy apartment in Panama. And they got caught because they agreed to pose for a photo with the real estate agent in Panama, which went up on the website. And they were like, "Hang on, that's that dead guy." <laughs> Who was checking? Brit vibes. Yeah, oh, I course. think because someone who knew her saw the picture. I think, yeah, and because then classic saw British, that he was British activity, pocket watching, right? Being like yeah. this woman whose husband has just disappeared in a horrible kayak accident, has bought a flat somewhere nice. I am gonna like do a full Jason Bourne style rundown on her entire life, and just found this mm. like evidence of, of fraud very easily. So, so. Before we waste too much of our very esteemed, knowledgeable guest time, I want to uh, introduce, for the first time on TF, but not for the first time in the Nate Bethay Extended Universe of Podcast, it is uh, Professor of uh, the Environment in General at U of T, Dr. Jess Green. Jess, how's it going? Hey, how's it going, guys? Pretty good. Yeah, great. Thanks right. for coming yeah, on. You know? 
Got Looking it. forward to wasting Thanks more for of your me. time as the episode so goes excited. on. So excited. Huge fan. <laughs> Very, we're all on this kayak trip together, and um, <laughs> we're all yeah. in like a sort of like a like a tandem kayak. Like it just keeps going back, and all four of us are paddling, and we're just gonna get we're gonna yeah. get into the harbor of Kiel pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we're gonna buy a sea pod. Yeah, we're and gonna then- pose for a photo with the realtor. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna buy something that's four times as expensive as that flat. Anyway, please don't ask about it. Uh, you know, we're um we're very excited to uh, to speak with Jess today about. Uh, some of I would probably think the in terms of survival of the human species, most consequential oh, things going on at the moment. Uh, that's what right. are we gay? <laughs> yeah, I told you last Come week. On. Yes, <laughs> uh, yeah, and we support that. We're going to be all all about cop uh, <laughs> uh, carbon trading uh, and all of the various ways in which uh, how we've decided to manage uh, pouring the death gas into the atmosphere. Um, oh no, that doesn't sound good. Yeah, the just, death gas. Yeah, we're pouring the death gas in the atmosphere, but we've created some accounting metrics around it to mm-hmm. try and that usually contains death gas. Yeah, that, that, is that a pretty accurate way of um, describing what's gone on? Pretty much. I mean, because we know that you know accounting for things always works, and uh, mm-hmm, yeah, sure. so we just need more more rules and uh, greater financialization because that always turns out. There's well. one thing I've always thought about climate change it's this is a situation that needed more charts oh yeah and you yeah. know we're doing it we're making it real we're adding graphs to this we're adding more graphs to this because uh, the the existing yeah. graphs didn't give me enough anxiety we've we've brought in some more mm. of them we've brought in guys who are like specially trained special experts at you know adding graphs to stuff and they're gonna they're gonna do a great job financializing it all that's right yeah, yeah line go up mm-hmm. man Except the problem is that the line is the concentration of greenhouse gases in the atmosphere. Oh, no. That yeah. line we don't want to go up. Yeah, it's just uh, uh-huh. it's the, the for me the whole like um uh, uh like carbon credit trading scheme thing seems to be like you know um like a, a, a like a glacier calves off of uh, some ice sheet in Greenland, and then we're like yeah, but it didn't technically do that because you see we planted the same tree forty times uh, and it That's did right. burn down. Hmm. So you know that yeah, tree you got see, planted. If you see the graph, it's flat, so yeah. we're good. Yeah, so like, mm. don't worry about the calving because we're like, we're basically digging and filling in a ditch a lot to sort of counteract the effects of the calving. I, I, I think I, I really like the idea of carbon offsets. This idea that like, okay, we've we've emitted all this carbon, but we can make savings other places, so it's fine. I think we should like apply that to other aspects of life, and I think the best example I can think of this is Harold Shipman, right? <laughs> killed woke, woke king Harold Shipman sadly well he killed a lot of people right but as a doctor I think we can argue that he successfully did murder offsets because he saved a lot of people as well and therefore you have to no like say if it's good or not exactly you have you have to like plot this on a big chart and you can work out whether or not Harold Shipman was actually a bad person based on whether yeah. his murders exceeded his lives saved he was the first man to participate in what would become a storied tradition in British politics of um, seeing how much money you could save the NHS only at the cost of a lot of people dying. <laughs> uh, but before we get into uh, to, to cop stuff, uh, we've agreed to, um, unfortunately, uh, expose Jess to some Matt Hancock news. That's right. I'm ringing the little bell. If you were German... Uh, Turn off yeah. the fucking episode right now. You don't. You don't get to enjoy this. He's for us. Kennst du die Matt Hancock? Sie hat ein sick parkour gedropped. So, uh, Matt Hancock. For those of you who have not been following, 
Um, das has... ist ein großer britannischer Mann. Sehr cool. <lacht> Mega cool. He's, a, he's a the hound, lieber Hound to Conservative Party. <lacht> uh, so, Matt, Matt Hancock has uh, decided to, in the wake of basically being multiply disgraced for... Um, Uh, who could even begin? Yeah, killing like, the your biggest nan, thing, obviously. Fucking yeah. in the office, things of this yeah. nature. Killing your nan, uh, fucking in the like office. Rage Against the Machine songs. <laughs> <laughs> and then, <clears throat> also, what, wait, does Rage Against the Machine, did they ever do um, uh, a song that was like, give a four billion pounds of state money to a guy from the pub? Weirdly, yes. Like, yeah, maybe. Not, not very successful. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was sort of. It was. Yeah, that Tom was Delonge Tom... had a weird phrase. Yeah. Wait, no, not Tom Delonge. Tom Morello. Tom Morello. Tom, Tom Morello. Yeah. Yeah. Tom Morello. Blink One Eighty Two. Very different vibe. So, so. What happened? What's happened is that killing uh... in the name. Of... There you go. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so what's happened is that um, Matt Hancock, seeing uh, his star has somewhat fallen in the estimation of the public, except for a few podcasters. Yeah. Um, We're not just, the public. We're, just... the, we're the intellectual elites. <laughs> yeah. From broadcast to podcast uh, to reality TV. That's right. Matt Hancock has decided uh, to go to Australia at the same time as us to participate in the celebrity game show, I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, hosted by, I believe, Ant and Deck. That's right. Fantastic. Nice. He also got immediately suspended from the Conservative Party for doing this. Like, right away. Yeah, you're supposed to eat a, a kangaroo penis secretly as part of the initiation <laughs> ritual, not on live TV. Well, so, someone, the, the BBC got a fantastic quote from his constituency's Conservative Association chair, who just said, seemingly apropos of nothing, because they cut out the questions when they interview these people, I'm looking forward to seeing him eat a kangaroo's penis. Which is, I think, one of the better pieces of feedback you can get as an MP from your constituency. I mean, Matt Hancock going straight from you know the the backroom Tory de deal making scenarios of the of the leadership contest straight into a bath full of rats, which must be a difficult um, difficult transition for him. <laughs> a bath, yeah, <laughs> crazy. Um, yeah. So, but what is interesting about this though is I think very funny. I don't know who's advising him, but this is off the back of going on another reality television show. Which is, he went on SAS Who Dares Wins. However, you don't get suspended from the Conservative Party for going on SAS Who Dares well, Wins. Because that's the troops, that's right. right? And then, so that. that National Service. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So, for, did, yes, did, did Matt Hancock get into the SAS? Well, we don't know yet, but okay. just for your benefit, this is as though. Um, hang on, how can I compare this? It's as though, like. Um, uh, Anthony like, Fauci uh, uh, went on Fear Factor. Or, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Anthony Fauci went on Fear Factor and also went on one of those shows where, like, you get hunted by a Navy SEAL. Could you be a Navy SEAL? Yeah. I, I love the idea of um, the Conservative Party having, you know, very selective standards about which game shows you can go on. Mm. Right? Oh, yeah. That seems... If you want to go Perplexing. on tipping point, that's fine. But we draw the line at bargain hunt. <laughs> it's not dignified. Yeah, you can look. You can go on Deal or No Deal, but you can't go on Family Feud. It's too rival. <laughs> um, no. So this is what Matt has said about going on, um, going on on these shows. But if you came on this for a discussion about climate change, don't worry, it's coming. But first, we have to talk about <laughs> Matt Hancock. Uh, Matt has told the whips in Parliament, and he will use his time in the jungle to promote his dyslexia campaign. Amazing. <laughs> Matt, no, nothing, nothing, you know, says dyslexia like being in the jungle eating kangaroo genitals. He's like, I'm here in the jungles of Austria raising awareness about <laughs> dyslexia. 
Uh, it says, Matt has always believed in communicating directly to people he represents. So that's the argument, right? Which is, no, if I can get myself in front of the 12 million yeah, people snakes. who watch, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here, then I can raise awareness of dyslexia. But Which just, like, who, it who, seems who in 2022 is unaware of dyslexia, is my question. Well, people who can't read all the articles back. <laughs> and they're the kind of people we need to reach. And, and and who's like who's like you know what I wasn't really aware of dyslexia but then I saw this guy who never fully closes his mouth because he's full of kangaroo penis bald head uh, eat a kangaroo penis and just stare at the computer like a lot computer the camera like a lost dog and uh, you know now I'm gonna care more about dyslexia and caring more is clearly very important right of that's course. definitely gonna change things Look. the worst part of eating a kangaroo penis was having to spell it <laughs> which made me think. <laughs> Um, so he says, there are many ways of do- to do the job of being an MP. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Yeah, MP it- standing for more penis. <laughs> brackets, kangaroo. <laughs> really Whether just trying he's- to like max out the kangaroo penis jokes. Yeah, absolutely. Alice, we've known each other a That's long true. time. That's let's true. Not, let's not act surprised. <laughs> Where better to show the human side of those that make decisions than with the most watched program on TV, to which I, I go back to something you said earlier, Milo, which is... Yeah, this is probably showing a lot of what like conservatives do to one another before you get to be inside the wire, you know? But that's not really what they're trying to admit here, is it? You get a lot more insight from all of these sort of gory body horror that they do here as might as what might happen in the, the Oxford Union or fucking like um uh like like conservative uh, uh, HQ or what have you. But yeah, no, they just mean like, "Oh, I'm going to, you know, futz about in Australia and I'm going to be I'm hoping that I'm going to be charming and everyone's going to forget their dead nan." It's it's very funny that he did this immediately after sort of like pitching Rishi for a big job. Like he he tried to get a, a ministerial appointment, got turned down. He tried to get the head of the Commons like Treasury Select Committee, got turned down. And his third option was kangaroo penis. That was his like his fallback, his safety school, as it were, was to go like, into yeah. the jungle. The problem is, right, is no one would accept him as a lobbyist because Lord everyone Luca. fucking hates him and realizes that he's a fucking moron. And so he can't do the normal dignified corruption that most MPs do because he's basically boxed himself off from it by being too stupid. So now he has to eat the kangaroo penis. That's right. That is right. Sometimes. Well, at least he has a backup plan, you know? Oh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, we wouldn't want him to be... Completely out of work. That's right. It's a plan. Say what you will about Matt Hancock. Jacob Rees-Mogg would not be able to eat a kangaroo penis. And have to have his nanny cut it up for him. Mm. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just think it's really funny that it's this feels to me kind of the whole story feels to me like a kind like an echo, like the the sort of the farcical echo from something from like late Victorian Britain, where a kind of like layabout moronic Tory MP sort of accidentally elevated to a senior office in state. Gets fired from his from his job for like cavorting with a subordinate, uh, but he primarily used that job to enrich his friends. He was caught with a strumpet before, in a gin palace. <laughs> before then, like going to get trench foot, which at the time he would have done from like I don't know the Spanish Civil War or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but this time, he's from a reality show, and then going to like recuperate in Australia by subsisting on a strange diet of kangaroo penis. This feels like it's from the past. It, it mm. really does. Like, Matt Hancock, a man who should be wearing a pith helmet in most photos of him. I'd love to see that. <laughs> Matt, The Matt Hancock running picture, but he's in a pith helmet? Mm. Right. Perfect. Matt, Sign come on. Look, we'll pay you £20 to put on the pith helmet. It's a better <laughs> offer, pound for pound, than the kangaroo yeah. penis. All right, dyslexia on it. Look, an- another thing that we haven't talked about that I want to talk about a little bit before we get into the climate change uh, cop uh, activities. Uh, again, a classic, mm. classic TF thing is 
it appears that most of the economy appears is melting down. Oh, good. Uh oh. Whoops. So <laughs> crazy. Uh, why? Why? Why is this happening? I thought we put the, uh, the the like the adults in the room back in charge. Oh, yeah. oh, oh! They're back. Well, actually, I think this is also somewhat relevant to um, carbon trading as well, right? Because it's uh, and I'll I'll, tell, I'll say why, but I'll set up the um, the intro here. Number one, British economy melting down uh, because we've raised interest rates again, and everything just um, is, I mean, if everything's an asset, and you mostly make and no one's had a wage rise in uh, in decades, uh, but if everything's an asset. You make money by deriving rent from assets. Um, then the only thing that makes it basically makes you more money is a your asset appreciating in value and people being able to pay the rents that you're charging from it because they're able to borrow more credit easily. Wait, so so right? so, so what, what you're saying is we've like financialized and securitized and sort of rentierized the economy to the extent that even the most adult adult ever adult the like the most mature man in the world walks into this and can do nothing. Yeah, like a hundred and six year old from like Hokkaido or Okinawa couldn't do anything about this. Mm-hmm. Like the oldest person ever. Um and but at the same time, this also is isn't contained to Britain, right? This is in the US as well. Like they've raised their interest rate. So, further some than American we have. listener being like, ah, stupid Brits. Oh shit. Oh no. <laughs> oh no, this is Jay Powell. <laughs> Fuck. Um yeah, they raised they they've just kept raising their rates because central banks uh have only one button, which is make the economy worse. And they can only really do that. And, and they know that they're just going to cause a recession, which is going to cause lower growth. Uh, they know and they're doing that because like kind of even though central banks are supposed to be independent, they're kind of enabling austerian politics in the fiscal space. Right. That's sort of what they're actually doing. They're not really there's there's kind of no in my opinion, there's sort of no such thing as a genuinely non-ideological central bank. Yeah. 10 Downing Street calls the Bank of England and they're like, have you tried pushing the make the economy worse button? And they're like, we've been pushing it. Have you tried pushing the racism button? We've been pushing it. (laughs) And this is where before I talk about like this is impact on tech companies and stuff. I actually want to like also sort of think like if we've sort of that when you treat carbon as an asset, Right and carbon tr- and carbon credits as assets. Like, what does zero rates do to those, Jess? Well, the problem is that there's there's no transparency in the market, and the the rules that govern the value of carbon are basically determined by um, supply and demand. There's no central bank for it, so we don't know what people are paying for a lot of offsets. And um, with the exception of the EU's trading system, there's no way to regulate the value or the the price. Um, So if there's like a billion bogus credits floating around in the offset market, which is the case, it's not a billion, but I would say maybe 300 million, um, then then they'll sell for two bucks a ton, which is the going price, you know, because that's all there is. And if money, (laughs) and this comes back to, you know, if you're if you're going to base your economy on just inflating asset prices and you turn carbon into an asset, what's going to happen to that? Are you going to like maybe have more carbon? That would be bad, it seems. Yeah, well, so no, what you're going to have is you're going to have more you're going to have more credits, but they're not necessarily representative of the absence of carbon. The problem is that it's not an asset like dollars. I mean, yeah, we can get into the financialization and the abstract, you know, the abstraction of that. But what you're buying and selling is not an asset. It's the absence of something, right? Which makes it even more complicated. So what we're basically doing is trying to build up the amount of absence 
which is a kind of hard thing to wrap your head around. We've accidentally sent all of the central bankers to philosophy school, and they've all become existentialists. <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> right, exactly. In the context of like, but it, and so what happens when anything that has a, val- a tradable value that's fungible, right? And there's trades on an exchange that has, the, uh, has a clearing price, and you can speculate on its value, will always be affected by this. Always. Because it's just they're all, all all these things are affected by one another. They're all affected by the interest rates, and in the and what and we have created a world that depends on that. Whether that is uh, whether that is our sort of like technical regulatory management schemes, whether that's employers, whether that's the sort of whole political consensus everything rests on in terms of house prices, all of it's sort of the same. And so this week, I just have like because I, I follow a lot of earnings transcripts and I read a lot of earnings transcripts, um, a bunch like. Lyft, Stripe, Cloud Kitchens, Open Door, Chime, a company called Dapper Labs. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Dapper Laughs is uh, branched. Dapper Labs. Gem Message. Do they have very fancy uh, lab coats? I like, don't know yeah. what Dapper Labs does or uh, did. <laughs> um, or, or it's Dapper Laughs, but he's a dog now. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's fun and games on the blockchain. So, <laughs> whoops. It's all fun oh. and games on the blockchain. <laughs> It was a beautiful dream of pinstripe lab coats, just for a second. Double-breasted That would have been something, as opposed yeah. to something on the blockchain, which is nothing. You can only wear a pinstripe uh, lab coat if but, you're a scientist of more than 10 years cool. But, but, all of these <laughs> companies, including MessageBird, Cry, Delivery Hero, Plio, uh, all of these companies are doing... You're making at least one in Delivery Hero. I'm making up none of them. They're all laying off, like, 15% of their staff. Uh, mm. or, or like it's cool how that's the entire economy now. By the way, is and and this is sort of ties back to my broader thing about how like there is no adult who can fix it because yeah, no one has any jobs that actually like produce anything anymore. You have a job where you work on a website. Well, people have jobs or, that produce stuff now. They're just in uh, Bangladesh and India and China. Well, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we have website jobs, or they're yeah, or they or they're in they don't yeah. pay a living wage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, like the custodians who are striking in Ontario right now because because Ford doesn't want to give them a 1.5 percent mm. raise. Yep. Yeah, mm. and all the jobs that are like are livable, you're working for pinstripe lab coats. Yeah, and yeah, at least you get a nice yeah. lab no, coat out of it. Though. You don't get anything, I'm afraid. Oh uh, damn it! So, uh, but at the same and time, right? Of a lab coat. I, I I also looked at another um at another uh, uh, earnings transcript. This is from like a major payment processor for online advertising. It says we this the CFO says we're dealing with a pretty significant pause by advertisers, and that was not what was expected. I don't think we anticipated the broad slowdown that was going to occur in Q4, which was certainly worse than expected. Which and this is coming at the same time where like again because of Elon Musk shenanigans, um, twi- like uh, the, some of the largest ad buying consultants are telling like huge huge ones that represent gigantic portions of the market are telling their um, clients to not not purchase ads on Twitter until the situation stabilizes. But at the same time as Huge amounts of the economy that were essentially just Sterling Cooper, just ad agencies like Google. Well, it, it, it's this is not even just ad agencies because this is happening in multiple places. Like if you look at like uh, like mortgage lenders right now, for instance, they are also taking the route of it's too weird. You have to like wait, do nothing until it beces normal again. And, it, mm. and Which what in Britain, happens if it never be becomes? A while. Well, exactly. That's the thing, right? Like, all of this is predicated on, at some point, adults will make enough decisions that it becomes normal again. And no one really seems to be asking what happens if it just doesn't. Yeah, adults were making the decisions up to this point. That's what yeah, I, I think we should so, get children yeah, making these decisions. Five-year-olds. <laughs> yeah. yeah um, let's get, like, kids' society going. Uh, oh, yeah. But, 
right? This is, but also just focusing as well on, because there are two kinds of the big tech companies, right? There's the ones that actually make a profit and do stuff, Amazon and so on, uh, Microsoft. And then there are the ones that um, either don't make a profit or if they make a profit, it's purely from advertising, like um, Facebook or Meta, Twitter, Snap, etc. Google, huge one. Uh, it, because they're basically just online, they're online marketing agencies. They are Sterling Cooper. They they trick you to thinking that they're doing other stuff, but they are online marketing agencies. That's it. Hmm. But crucially, they're not very good at it. Well, that's what I wonder. Right? Is in this time of plummeting ad buying, right? Are we going to see like are are, are brands that buy a lot of ads on social media, other than just like I don't know, drop shipping or what what have you, going to see or, or on Google, for example, going to see? Wait a minute. This didn't actually change a lot of what we sold. Uh, and I, <laughs> we, we're accidentally A-B testing for the effectiveness of marketing. It's very funny. Yeah, oh my God, the whole like welders who were born in January market's really dried up recently. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it, it's what so I think is so um, you know slight, slightly worrying is that there are a lot of things that you know a lot of the modern economy has come to rely on that kind of were provided by flukes. And those flukes were provided by the fact that it was sort of fine if you were wealthy enough to just keep making mistakes. Yeah. Mm. You know? Sort of w- watching Mad Men being like, wait a second, these people barely do any advertising at all. Yeah. They mostly just seem to drink and have interpersonal drama. Yeah, we're going to have to go back to proper 1960s style advertising. You know, they're going to, every company is going to have to get Don Draper in. And it's yeah. going to be, you know, they can't, mm. they can't do target ads anymore. You know, it's going to be like a uh, Dodge. Dick on dick, gay entertainment. <laughs> Run it on TV. I, lo- I, I know exactly why you've been thinking about Nate's homophobic like car acronyms again. Yeah. Um, Incredible. I like that we've just explained the context as Nate's homophobic car acronyms. They're like <laughs> yeah. something that he came up with. Yeah, Nate invented homophobia. I don't know why he did this, and I wish he hadn't have done it, but he has. Uh, so I'll, I'll sort of turn back to um, turn back turn back to Jess as well, right? Like, have from the like, is, is this something that, like, from the sort of um, keeping the earth alive, the melting down of our economic model, is this something that we sort of care about? Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah. Like, there's so, you know, um, there's, I love the the uh, the British term that has been, you know, used to describe the state of politics and everything in Britain of the omni-shambles, which is, like, so, you know, polite instead of just, like, you mm. know, unmitigated shit show. But like <laughs> run by a bunch these, of wank puffins. <laughs> right. But these, yeah, these things are totally interrelated, right? I mean, all these, you know, Adam Tews has called this like the poly crisis, right? Is that, you know, we can't just deal with the climate change and we can't just deal with, you know, economic meltdowns or, you know, this like crazy instability is that they're totally interrelated <laughs> and uh, it, you know, remains to be like, I don't know, like what happens when Google can't sell ads anymore? You know, does that shut down sectors of the economy or do they get smarter at figuring out how to gather data and sell it some other way? But yeah, I mean, if people aren't buying shit anymore, then that seems to be kind of like a fundamental flaw in the, uh, shall we say, marketing plan. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's been a long term frustration on this show about how like so many of these problems y- you could, if you weren't like sort of hamstrung by like insisting on doing things a stupid way, you can kind of solve a lot of these problems at the same time by doing the thing that's obviously sensible, like building a huge amount of green energy capacity, which, you know, like creates jobs, it drives down energy prices, well, which is one of the things the that's right, thing. and it solves the climate crisis. And they're like, well, we can't do that. <laughs> 
That's that's the like amazing thing about carbon markets. It's like let's make this totally fucking complicated Rube Goldberg machine instead of say mm. not financing coal plants anymore. Like maybe we could do that. Yeah, we can't do that. That was that that would be too I easy. Fucking on Australian. <laughs> <laughs> sort of built our entire economy, our entire society on the idea that we can sort of like buy and sell our way out of this and then refusing to buy or sell our way out of this is just it's perfect it's so so smart and i love yeah. it well we can only buy and sell things that are cool we can't buy or mm, sell anything that's, that's uncool and you know what's not cool right now is the fucking atmosphere yo you're still gunning for that job on radio 4 alice and i'm here for it never <laughs> I'm, stop trying the get, I'm trying to get one into each episode yeah, never stop the grind so we want to talk about like um about profit and pro- about profits emissions assets right uh we it, the one true profit of course. yeah of course uh, sponsor of, of the show. <laughs> uh, we want to talk about like profits, emissions, and assets. Um, then uh, there's a, so there was been a chart that's been going around about um, a decoupling of GDP growth in developed countries. Uh, Conscious decoupling. Well, a decoupling uh, in uh, of GDP growth in developed countries from carbon emissions. So, you know, you see a chart of like the debt GDP of you know Finland or Denmark or the UK or, or Italy or whatever, and how the GDP keeps going up, the carbon emissions are are, are going down. Um, mm. And again, I think there are also that, um, and we see in the past, right, that in times of, um, let's say, great profit taking as well, uh, mm-hmm. emissions uh, do also tend to go up. Let's say in the aftermath of the financialization of everything, emissions uh, did soar. It's a great movie, that. Eddie Redmayne, fantastic. <laughs> I can't help but see the broad-based, almost 2001 level collapse in what appears to be the only sector of the economy that anyone has really much hope for um i can't help but see that as connected with emissions but i don't quite have a clear picture of um how and in what direction i suppose that's fucking cherry (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean like okay so decoupling yeah i I, yeah i just i i just think of coldplay and and what's her face but um gwyneth paltrow yeah yes yes we need to sell more jade vagina eggs Oh my god, totally. That's, yes, that's totally. We, we do. need to we goop do. on the Grinch of the economy. I'm surprised that Dr. Oz hasn't gotten in on that, you know? Like, I feel like what, that would be a good crossover. Eggs? Yeah, well, once he loses to Fessiman, I think that's likely, you know? Mm. He's going to try and, like, really go and find himself. And, and we're back to Don Draper again, you know? That's I don't know, I think we should put him in a fucking kayak and see how he does. Yeah. But- <laughs> what if your wife was a chicken? <laughs> Please, um, like so so yes there has been decoupling like if you look at you know the state of california for example like they they are reducing the emissions intensity of their gdp production right so yeah they're growing but um their emissions are falling and that's great um but it again it comes you know there is something of a numbers game there right because like you can say you know, their uh, emissions are falling, but that doesn't account for all of the basically embodied carbon that they buy uh, from China and other places and import um, and then consume. So uh, those numbers should be taken with a grain of salt, uh, I would say. And I mean, is it possible? I think yes, um, because we have some technologies to help do that. But um you know, it's not politically feasible at this point, and that's the key issue. Could, could it be then that, in fact, 
the um, broad-based collapse of uh, a, let's say, um, rentier economy supported by uh, a sort of system of central banks and governments that decided that um, redistribution was uh, politically impossible, and so we're going to keep GDP growth going by inflating asset values. Are we suggesting that the collapse of that system may actually be somewhat beneficial for the future of the planet? Could it be? Maybe. Yeah. So this is the tricky bit, right? And this is where you get into people like the degrowthers who are like, okay, well, we can't, we have to like get rid of economic growth uh, because that's, you know, because it's a capitalism, right? And that's not entirely wrong, but it's also overlooks a whole lot of nuance, which is the fact that, yeah, there's a shit ton of people in very wealthy countries and obviously in the global South who don't have the basic things that they need to survive. And so to talk about, um, you know, not growing anymore is a real problem. Redistribution is, you know, obviously not on the agenda (laughs) anywhere. Really, um, we're just doing yeah. Malthusianism again. We're just like, well, you know, we we have to decarbonize, so you have to not eat, right, right, and especially, you know, or not reproduce. Like, you know, let's mm. not have the brown oh, yeah. people reproduce. That's a real problem. That's really David what's Attenborough driving. of all people keep saying this shit. Like every time they get him on for anything environmental, and it's like, oh, he's the nice, you know, the nice grandpa who like wants to help the environment and wants to help the like seals and stuff. And then you ask what he thinks about humans and he's like, oh yeah, everybody's gotta stop fucking immediately. Which is the most British else. thing you can say. That's that is true. That is true. First of all, you don't have to stop fucking. You just have to stop reproducing. You've They're different stop things. Busting. That's, That's what's key. I mean I think you know. <laughs> David Attenborough personally does not want you That's doing right. I think the anymore. I think the degrowth thing is like an, an interesting thing because I think it's kind of like was something we've talked about a lot where like I think some some people are like un- unrealistic about their expectations of like what a government can do about climate change or, or whatever. Well they're just like, well, why don't we just turn the economy off? And then everyone's like, yeah, but that's not gonna happen because people still want their you know stuff food to eat etc like that's not but what i think what's remarkable about it because people say that like okay you can't solve the uh climate crisis without ending capitalism and like maybe maybe that is true but like they're not even doing the things that would be quite easy to do within capitalism like you know a lot of the production that we do could just be done with like green energy if they you know built the capacity to do that and it would just you know yeah also crucially we are very much on the clock here Right, we don't really have the time for capitalism to sort of heighten its own contradictions enough to then be destroyed, and you know, I, we as nice socialists then decarbonize. We have to do the decarbonization bit first, if if not sorry, simultaneously. Sorry, you wanted to you know? what build all those nuclear plants? What when interest rates were as high as zero? Come on, who can afford that? The thing is, I just love building nuclear plants, and I'll do it any <laughs> opportunity I get. Uh, you know, I, I I will build a nuclear plant, and I will apply for retroactive. That's right. It's easier to ask for forgiveness and permission. Support that. Build, uh, dude, Maoism, building a little nuclear plant in your back garden. Exactly, exactly. It's like those little like terracotta pots full of seeds that you can do like gardening with by like throwing them onto like vacant land. It's the same way, but with neutrons, mm. right? You just you just do that. You just activate like some nuclear fission, and then you just you know just, just yeah. don't worry about it. Just bring your microwave over, plug it in, and you're good. That's right. Exactly, um, exactly. And, and so look, I, I'm sort of going off of uh, moving off of I think the uh, the, the tech economy imploding so. Uh, part. So we haven't talked about Elon Musk's purchase of Twitter yet. I want to see a little more of where it goes before we do a little retrospective on it. Um, the only thing I will... Yeah. <laughs> because every time we, we, we go to say something about it, he does another five things, each one stupider than the last. I think he should go on the Jungle Show. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Can you imagine him and Matt Hancock together? Cool. That's a meeting of the minds. I mean, Matt Hancock would basically just choose to be his dog. They could <laughs> learn so much from each other. Puppy players. Yeah, I met this British guy. Like... He's really good at parkour. <laughs> yeah, and he seems to always want to sleep at the foot of my bed, curled up in a little basket. The thing is, because also Matt <laughs> Hancock, he has, you know, that could be a good buddy movie because Matt Hancock has something he right. can teach Elon Musk getting pussy. Something Elon Musk doesn't mm-hmm. understand. But it's Matt true. Hancock, apparently, you know. But Elon Musk de- definitely didn't get the no busting uh, memo from David Attenborough, though. But he's no, he's rich enough to support his children greenly, so he gets to bust. He has busting credits. It's a uh, cap and trade. <laughs> That's a good point. That's a good point. You get, you get bust credits. You can trade them among yourself. Yeah, you got to go and sterilize a few of your friends, and then you and then you get in a busting <laughs> offset. It's like, hey, hey, man, me and my wife were really trying to have children, winding up to like a massive kick in the nuts. Yeah, that's right. So, so I'm so, I'm really sorry about this, but like, you know, I just got. But now I can have children. <laughs> Although weirdly, yeah, exactly. in this in this highly financialized economy we've built, now that these things are freely tradable, uh, my kick my kick of you in the nuts is actually now worth thousands of dollars. Mm. That's right. <laughs> um, yeah, because I mean, isn't hasn't hasn't Grimes supposedly become a lesbian since leaving Elon Musk? So that that's kind of an offset. Yeah, there you, you know? go. She's probably less yeah, likely to have sure. any more kids I mean, now, so he can. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> Jay Powell I, has I made it this. very expensive to get kicked in the nuts. <laughs> uh, Riley, Riley, sort of immediately setting up a sort of arbitrage firm, or well, not an arbitrage firm, but a firm that like uh, immediately sort of like collateralizes people getting kicked in the nuts and like forming those into like obligations. I, I wish I could trade. get kicked in the nuts, but in this economy, I mean, come on. Uh, but no, so <laughs> the one thing I wanted to point out though about um about Elon Musk's plans is that the fundamental thing he's done is that he's he doesn't know the co- doesn't understand the company he's bought. He's surrounded himself with friends who don't understand the company he's bought. Mm. He's solving a pretend problem like all the guys that start right-wing tech sites. Right, like, oh, it's right wing YouTube where you're not going to be censored. So obviously, it's going to be amazing. And it's not amazing. They all stab each other in their back, and like it falls apart or whatever. Gab, mm. etc., etc. Right, that they're tr- so they're trying to solve a bunch of problems that don't really exist that they've all created themselves. Um, and what we've done is we've taken Greg Stubbe and put a guy with all of his preoccupations in charge of running something for real, which he's not supposed to do. Why are my parents not reading my emails? Because he's like those (laughs) guys who think that kind of thing, they're supposed to have a do-nothing job like in the House of Representatives where they can can do between like running away from officers from the Department of Fish and Wildlife. But now the problem is he's not just able to get to the bottom of why his emails are, are going to spam, but he's also building a solution for why his emails go to spam. But because Elon Musk has what... um. Uh, 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 Bloomberg's Matt Levine calls the Elon Musk reality distortion field. People keep giving him money because they understand that he can create bigger suckers to offload the investment onto. Yeah, it, it, it's not even like a reality distortion field so much as it is the weird guys in his replies who you've all seen. Those guys are like his only sort of marketable assets. This is from, uh, from the Financial Times. Uh, banks that lent $12.7 billion to Elon Musk for his Twitter takeover are preparing to hold the debt until early next year until they wait for the billionaire to unve- unveil a business plan they can market to investors. So they gave him $12 billion without a plan. Here you go. I'm sure you've got something. If, if, you, walk into, if you walk into a high street bank, you should ask for like a small business loan and then say, yeah, I'll, I'll come up with a business plan in like a couple of years yeah. and just see what they say. You know, I bet it'll be positive. They're just going like we're just we're waiting for Elon Musk to work out how to draw a pyramid around this. Yeah. Like we need him to find like the next layer of the pyramid. 
Well, that is little. That is why you invest with Elon Musk because he creates the layer of the pyramid under you, and then someone mm, else yeah, gives you more he's money. He's a pharaoh. What, gotcha. I, what I think is very amusing, though, is just that like well, he is African. Like they did <laughs> just. Um, they are probably going to incur huge losses. Uh oh. Oh yeah, of course. Probably. Almost, almost certainly, they're going to incur huge yeah. losses on the billions of dollars of lending. For so like, not, on, not only is Elon Musk Which a pharaoh, but he's right like for lending it to him in the first place. He's mm. he's one of the like shitty pharaohs. One of the, he's like Akhenaten. No, he's you know, um, he's going to be. He's, he's like on the steel, and they're like, uh, "Oh, this guy, yeah, we don't. Why is this one erased? Don't worry about it." Failing Pharaoh Elon Musk failed to make the correct <laughs> offerings to the gods. Nile not flooding as much as it used to. Very low on silt. Sad. Yeah. Well, no, it was. It was. I, I think he's a Kushite Trump. Yeah. That. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he he's Pepe the Second, who oversaw the decline of the old kingdom in the first intermediary period. Pepe the Second, one of the more cheerful pharaohs. <laughs> I did not think that I had signed up for a discussion of the uh, ranking of all pharaohs during, uh, oh, yeah. during TF. Well, they're doing business secrets of the pharaohs. Yeah. Well, no, in terms of the pharaohs, of course, you've got Peppy, you've got Bashful, Sneezy, and you know the rest. Uh, no, but what I think it's very it's like I don't know how Elon Musk keeps getting people to lend him all that money. Um, Alice, you advanced a theory. Yeah, that, I, I have a yeah. theory about this. I, and mine's more more simple and more cynical. And I think that it's that Elon Musk has a, like a thumb drive with Lolita Express like eleven twenty nine two thousand and nine dot WMV on the it. La- the last email that Epstein sent was to Elon Musk. Yeah, being like you might need this to secure investment <laughs> Ch- in a stupid change project. the world. My final message, you know. Mm. <laughs> it's been a long day. <laughs> so, I mean, how, how likely do we think that is? It's like just I flatly mean, blackmail. The problem is, if, if Elon Musk had a Lolita Express, then like the entire structured credit team at Morgan Stanley would be fucking vaporized into gamma radiation. <laughs> like no one would survive a ride on his like Lolita <laughs> Express to space. You know, with our no age of consent laws yeah, but, on Mars. Yeah, and you're only. <laughs> 70% likely to get completely obliterated when the rocket explodes. Yeah. So, you know, good luck. Bye. Thank you for the money. Space XXX. Uh, legally speaking, the structure credit team at Morgan Stanley is not involved in Lolita Express. These people were more often... These people were more often uh, leaders in business and politics as opposed to frontline bankers. Uh, how about this? Instead of that, maybe, like, yeah, like uh, an entire plane load of people to Davos rather than the structured credit team at uh, at Morgan Stanley. A TF apology to the structured credit team at Morgan <laughs> We're Stanley. We're going to send you some, like, some lint chocolates and some nice flowers, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The lint master chocolatiers. I want to talk about cop now. Um, okay. so. yeah, me every episode of every podcast I do. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, weird to have Riley saying that. <laughs> so, um... <laughs> Uh, basically, Rishi Sunak has uh, was like, I'm not going to go to cop so that the right wingers in his party wouldn't think he was like, weak. yeah, a cap. Yeah. And yeah. then uh, and then he was like, well, OK, I guess I have to go to cop because literally all of the constituency of the conservative party that matters that used to be allied with the social conservative right to achieve its short term goals of like smashing unions and stuff uh, such as finance, insurance and real estate desperately needs climate action to happen at this point. Uh, and so this is sort of an inconvenience for people like Rishi Sunak, who in the immediate term depend on balancing uh, those two constituencies to serve the one interest that actually matters. Uh, exactly. Yeah. And so you know, this what was is, the analogy we came up with with these calming two horses? Yeah, calming two horses mm. that you're chained to and are very agitated. Yeah, that's right. And then they're also <laughs> trying to calm down Genghis Khan. Yeah. Also, there's a fireworks factory that's just starting to burn down. Nearby. Oh, Geng- Genghis Khan would have had to do some serious busting offsets. 
That's a guy who loves. I think we can blame all of this on Genghis Khan, Genghis. actually. Well, well, perversely, he did do a lot of carbon offsetting. Like he genuinely he cooled the planet a little bit because he killed so many people. That is that is true. He was actually a Malthusian. Yeah, yeah. yeah. David yeah. Genghis Khan Attenborough. <laughs> <laughs> just in, in sort of David Attenborough like shambling up to you like I am the scourge of God fascinating yeah. to see these horses weeping majestically across <laughs> the Mongolian plains let's, pulling apart one of my enemies let's talk about <laughs> cop Jess what it's are they good what are they trying to achieve <laughs> who's going what is it what the hell is happening okay I, I know uh, um I would know. I know this is my first time on TF, but I'm going to put in a fangirl mm. plea to call the name of this episode "Busting Offsets." hundred <laughs> yep. percent. Okay, good. <laughs> who, okay. who are we to refuse you, Jess? <laughs> awesome. Um, so the COP is this thing. It's, it stands for the Conference of the Parties. Um, it's the thing that happens every year um, when countries who have signed uh, whatever climate change agreement, now the Paris Agreement, meet to mm. talk about like. How are we doing? How do we sort of fill out the implementation, review what's going on, um, make rules to kind of push things forward? <clears throat> so, so that's that's what the COP is. And um, over the past few years since the Paris Agreement, people have actually started paying attention to it. So this has been happening every year since 1992, um, uh, but uh, because so it's COP 27. Um, but mm. only recently have, uh, have has the like mainstream media kind of started paying attention. I so, really cool, like the nine... idea of being like a cop hipster, like the way that people are for like old Olympics or whatever, where they're like you know LA 1984 or wearing like a Moscow 1980 shirt, but instead it's like cop uh, you know Cartagena 2000 or whatever. Oh my god, mm. yeah, that would be amazing. Yes, yeah. I, I love that idea. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's probably like a tote bag from that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The cop in Cartagena where Michael Douglas had to rescue that woman who was kidnapped. <laughs> and find just, a big uh, emerald. Just invented a new fashion trend here. So if you're on, if you're on Depop, if you're on, if you're on Grailed or whatever, you know, look for some old cop merchandise. You know, or alternatively, if you are Balenciaga, uh, make it and uh, charge thousands oh, of dollars. Balenciaga will one hundred percent do that. Yes. So, right. Sorry, Jess. Please carry on. <laughs> um. So this year, so last year, of course, it was in Glasgow. Uh, I'm sure you attended, mm -hmm. Alice. Represent. Uh, Represent. Yeah, to yell at them a little bit, yes. Really hard to convince people of global warming in Glasgow. Worst possible place. <laughs> you, you say that it's positively tropical up here in these, in these days. So mm. Nice. Whoa. See, you're not pass me the sun cream. These parrots are driving me mental. <laughs> oh my God, I could listen to that all day. Uh, okay, so, so what's happening? Um, so this year, okay, just like from out of the gate, things are not looking good. <laughs> I mean, we knew that like environmentally, but politically like Rishi Sunak is going, but China's not going. India's not going. Russia's not going. Canada's not going. Um, Biden is not showing up for the ministerial because he is under the delusion that if he trots around the United States, the Dems will somehow pull out the midterms. He's going to show up later. Um, that's yeah, good on him. Um, Wait, hang on a minute. Justin Trudeau is missing an opportunity to like put on a kente cloth and turn up and go like, we must come together to resolve. <laughs> I'm not under the illusion that Justin Trudeau is going to do anything, but this is normally the kind of event he loves. I'm going to defer to Riley on that one. <laughs> uh, I, you know, it's a it's a strange one. I think um, 
I, 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 th- I think he's probably busy protesting one of his own policies. Um, nah, busy, yeah. uh, politely asking the Ford government to please not use the notwithstanding clause to break one of the biggest strikes in uh, recent history in the province. Yeah. That kind of, you know, busy stuff like that, you know, that matters. Yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe shopping for some other pipelines, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Um, but yeah, he will not be coming. Um, so first of all, so basically like there's a lot of major emitters who are not coming. Developing countries are all showing up because fucking climate change. <laughs> and uh, yeah, the delegation um, from the, the Seychelles are showing up wearing their waders that they have from last year. Exactly. Um, and with it like water slightly higher up them. Exactly. Um, I think it was Kiribati that did a, they like a few years ago, they did a press conference underwater. Um, which oh, was, yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah. So, so the big fight or the big kind of focus is going to be on what's called loss and damage. And this has been, okay. um, on, uh, like on the being discussed since, uh, 2014. And the, basically the idea is that developing countries want compensation for losses and damage, uh, incurred by climate change or caused by climate change, both in the past and into the future. And, um, Developing co- developed countries, obviously. Wait, wait, so hold on. The vibe here is all of the people who are actually being most affected by it are, lo- are going. Can we have some like some help with this? And the biggest emitters in the world are ducking their phone calls. Yep, pretty much. Amazing. Pretty much. Fantastic. Not only that, um, there's a just a fight about whether loss and ge- damage is going to be a separate agenda item, which is like an important thing in terms of like. Once something gets on the agenda, you can't get it off and you have to report on it every year. And developing countries are like, we want this to be its own thing. <laughs> and developed countries do not want that. So we haven't even agreed. So that so the COP starts on Sunday and there's still not agreement about what's on the agenda, which is not a good sign. People say that it is bad that Russia is not attending this COP conference. People say that Vladimir Vladimirovich is not doing his part for climate change, but I would suggest that he is actually incurring a large amount of carbon offset by ensuring that large numbers of Russian population die in eastern Ukraine. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> so, but one of the one of the main priorities, as, as sort of this is some stuff that you've written recently. I think in, in the Washington Post you have an article out talking about like what what they have kind of aligned on and are trying to do is to more or less double down on carbon offset markets, right? Yeah, carbon offset markets and carbon trading. So like basically 30 years, it's been the same shit, which is developing countries are like, we need help to develop cleanly and we need help. Increasingly, we need help to adapt to the effects of climate change. And yeah, developed countries have been ducking their phone calls and instead say, let's financialize this and trade it. And cool. that's basically been the thing that everyone can agree on. Because when you financialize and trade it, oh, oh this is in fact this is sort of true uh, of really anything, right? This is also true when you like financialize uh, public services, like for example the NHS, right? How you introduce like fake markets in there and so on. Oh, that is good. Uh, well, what happens mm. is that you are able to create a lot of movement, but that the movement doesn't really connect to much. You're, you're right. able to sort of you're able to it's like look a dipping at- bird. Yeah, you're mm. able to look at well, the dipping bird does connect with the water. Mm. You know, you it does do something. Okay. Um but with but with you when you financialize something heavily, then what you're able to say is what if we did this and it didn't cost us anything and it looked like we were doing quite a bit. Right? It's it's a sort of um 
it's a it's a way to just create the illusion of a lot of movement. And again, that's not mm-hmm. just true with what we're talking about with carbon offsets and stuff. That's also true with yeah, fake fake privatize uh, sort of privatizations of public services. That's true with like financialization of say like the housing market. Right, you can have huge amounts of value increase with ever actually ever building a new house. For example, it's a way of making things look like they're changing. Well, actually, they're in many ways staying the same. But right. please carry on. And then everyone is really, really busy, like making that look like something's happening. Right. And so, you know, the carbon markets that were created in the Paris Agreement were created in 2015 when the agreement was uh, signed, but the rules weren't actually finalized until last year. So Mm. for seven years, you had, well, I mean, there was a sort of interregnum with COVID, but uh, you had, you know, thousands of people attending the COP to like negotiate these rules uh, for a thing that, you know, may produce some marginal reductions. But as Alice pointed out, the clock is fucking ticking, right? And we don't have seven years to like decide how we're going to do this. Mm. I I think that's- Luckily, this is in the hands of like international institutions, which are famously very speedy about this stuff, Mm -hmm. even when they're like trying to be like yeah. even when they're not tr- even when they're not trying to delay and obfuscate and all of this even when everyone's pulling in the same direction uh you know that the result is always something that's very fast and very unified and makes a lot of sense <laughs> i just got back from the un where every member of the general assembly took turns hitting me in the head with a hammer <laughs> I mean, it's really true like international institutions are really slow but it's only because governments are dragging their feet yeah right so also, I wanted to ask you as well, right? Is that we have we have we seem to have like different kinds of offsets, where we have offsets that can be traded between countries, but we also seem to have offsets that go on highly financialized markets, like that, where you can I can I can if I have no intention of ever emitting carbon, purchase a carbon offset because I believe it will go up in value yeah, and then you can sell like, it to someone. You can like who, trade fractions of planting a tree. Yeah, is, is that that's my understanding anyway. Yeah, I mean, so that's the thing. It's insanely complicated. There's there's kind of three different trading mechanisms. One is just between countries, and that's not only offsets. It's like, you know, South Africa could say, we're going to pay for China to electrify its bus fleets and then count that towards South African reductions. So that's not even an offset. That's just kind of like a, a mitigation activity, they're called. Um, but then there are these offsets. There are some that are tr- traded between countries. Very boring horror movie, that. <laughs> there are some that are traded between countries, and then there are some that are traded like on, on what's called the voluntary market. So that's like private. So if you know um, Morgan Stanley wants to go net zero, then it can pay for trees to be planted wherever or methane capture in you know, Namibia and say, look, we're net zero now. Great. Yeah, right. Everybody, but the problem is those those voluntary markets are are self regulated. So, which works great, really good. Oh yeah, people people are always like honest brokers about these things, right? Because what everybody really cares about at the end of the day is saving the climate, not making money off of transactions. What would be their incentive to fudge it? The huge amount of money they could make? <laughs> Don't be silly. Yeah, and that's why we put it in the hands of the people whose like sole training and, and motive is to make as much money as possible on these uh, things. See, my, my exposure to this, which is often through, um, through startups, uh, such as like Flow Carbon and others, also suggested that it's... Uh, and I, I wanted to know if this is something that is actually true or if this is just something I've seen in weird startups. The idea of actually like 
tradable carbon offsets where I can purchase a carbon offset if I have no intention of emitting any carbon ever on the basis that I believe it will go up in value and then sell it to someone who will eventually want to emit some carbon. Uh, but that's something a lot of startups seem to be trying to do. Yeah, which is dumb because there's no cap on offsets, right? So like, you know, that's predicated on the idea. I mean, yes, maybe they will increase in value over time, but it's predicated on the idea that there's a finite supply, which is not true. Because like, basically, you can sort of offset anything. And that's kind of one of the things that they're going to discuss at the COP is like, what kinds of activities now are legit to be considered an offset? Like, is it David legit to consider like- you in the nuts. We're making it real. Right. Right. Like, if we go from like, coal to natural gas, is that really, are, are those saved emissions really an offset? Or is that just something we should all be fucking doing anyway, because climate change? Well, it's the, it comes back around to that, to that question of um, quibbling over an accounting metric. Well, the thing that the, it's almost like arguing over the map when the territory is rapidly changing. Arguing over say. the map and being like, why are the corners of this map getting wet? And why is this other corner on fire? Well, eventually those two corners are going to meet, and I reckon those two problems are going to resolve themselves one way or another. That's right, yeah. <laughs> Don't worry about all the stuff between them. I, yeah. I genuinely saw a photo from Australia a few years back that was um, a have your wildfire plan ready sign that was partially submerged by flood water. I'm like, oh, no. Okay, That's a perfect. plan. Yeah. That, that is a plan, right? An, an extremely, like, 2007 I can has cheeseburger-ass photo right there. Yeah. So, effectively, right, what we have is we have different kinds of offsets where you can, you, where as a country or a company, uh, and then maybe some small minority of them that I'm sort of more familiar with because they're affiliated with scammy startups. That's why I sort of, I, I thought it might be, I, I brought in the, um, the interest rate thing because I've seen them used as assets before, but it seems like that's not the majority of how they're used. Um, uh, but that we have these two kinds of offsets, country offsets and then voluntary offsets. That there, but that there's sort of just no one is really. You're saying, oh, I bought this many tons of carbon, and someone can show you some accounting logic as to how you know me digging this ditch and filling it in a bunch of times, or how me like not turning my car on for a day is going to allow you to turn your car on for a day. But mm. all of this very clever yeah, accounting, you kicked my car in the nuts. Yeah. <laughs> all of this very clever accounting is sort of an argument that's happening while the ice is calving off of Greenland. Well, I, I have a question here, which is, so, say we're still handcuffed to this forever, say we still have to do markets, and that's the only way that we, we can like resolve this is, you know, cap and trade and all of this. If we had to do that, what's the ideal, like, in a perfect world but for that, how would we regulate this? That's a great question. And basically what you would do is you would make a market that acts like a tax. So you would have, I mean, assuming that you set a cap, a reasonable cap, which is a big assumption, right? You would have a reasonable cap. Um, you would auction all of the permits. You wouldn't give them away for free because that's just giving away free money. And then you would you would limit offsets or ban them all together. I am. I think we should just get get rid of them. And then you would require to take care of the speculation problem that Riley is talking about. You would basically require reconciliation every year. So you couldn't buy them and then bank them for like 2050. You'd have to spend them that year. And that's basically a tax. So essentially what you're doing is you're saying the only way it would work is that if it was actually, as you say, made as a kind of like an, an asset that you'd purchase at an auction, 
but an asset that expires. So effectively, what you're talking about is an option. You're talking about like, yeah, you're talking about like an, like an option, yeah. like a call or a put. I mean, I wouldn't uh, say and- it's, yeah, it, with a price caller. Like, I wouldn't say it's the only way it can work. I think it's the way that reduces the most gaming and will um, we all cha- want to reduce change behavior gaming. the most quickly. <laughs> Okay. We're going to ban Monster Energy. No, that that makes. I mean, <laughs> that that makes sense within the logic the of what you're talking Monster Energy offset. You know, uh, yeah, you have to go to sleep. Um, <laughs> that that does genuinely make sense in in the context of what you're talking about, right? Where what what we have is a system that allows for unlimited pollution, but also you could feel good about it, basically. Right, right, and and you know the other point is like you know going back to Alice, what Alice said is like we shouldn't even like you know, we need to reduce emissions to stay on track. We need to reduce emissions 40% by 2030. So we shouldn't even be doing offsets. Like 2050 is is not what we need to be focused on. We need to be focused on decision-making in the next five to 10 years. And so offsets is just kicking kicking the can down the road. Every sort of time limit, whenever we talk about uh, climate change, feels to me like because i get terrible anxiety about it is like no we need to have this done by 30 years time and 30 years time is in six months and if you think six months is far away six months was yesterday (laughs) (laughs) there will have been 12 prime ministers by the time yesterday happens (laughs) yeah yeah i think i'm actually really wondering like are we i would love a year of the four prime ministers i know it's unlikely at this point but i mean come on matt come on come come back (laughs) If he wins, I'm a celebrity. He yeah, could just celebrity. just sort of like Rishi Sunak in in Downing Street, like Matt's out there in the jungle while I'm in here. Every day I'm getting weaker, and he's getting stronger. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, uh, he he could be Britain's Vespasian. Uh, however, he's not locked in there with the kangaroo dicks. They're locked in there with him. <laughs> I, so I want to say, uh, Jess, it has been an absolute delight to have you on on the show today. Thank Such you very much. Uh, for coming oh, amazing. on. Amazing. Uh, thank you for having me. This was so fun. Absolutely. absolutely. And thank you to our listeners for to this free episode. As a reminder, of course, there is uh, a uh, bonus episode. It is $5 per month. In fact, I can tell you what the bonus episode is going to be this week because we already recorded it. We read Ian Duncan Smith's thriller novel with Nish Kumar. It's God, the it worst bad. one of these we've read yet. It yeah. was by And far, that is our promise to you. By far, it was the worst one. <laughs> Yeah, and, and the good thing is, if you uh, if you listen to that episode, it acts as an offset, and you can go and read a good book afterwards and feel good about it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, so, Something uh, like Bravo to Zero by Andy McNabb. I would say, yeah, <laughs> if you would like to uh, sign up for the Patreon, now is a pretty good time, because you're going to get to hear uh, <laughs> me. You're going to experience... You know what it is? I read that book. Please make it worth my while to have done that. <laughs> yeah, offset Riley reading that book by giving him money. I don't um, know if they've come up with brain damage offsets yet. Uh, yeah, they did. <laughs> this it's was Patreon. Is. Yeah, it's, it's having yeah. A, a podcast with Patreon. Yeah, that's what that is. Uh, but uh, so that's happening. And then finally, at the time of recording, there are thirty tickets left in Sydney, possibly less now. Uh, so by the time you're listening to it, almost certainly less. Yeah, that but that Sydney concert will be like two days away, and two days away is already six months ago. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what a time we had. Yeah, and of course, if you don't attend the the Sydney concert, you can use that as an offset to attend the one in Canberra. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's right. Where um, by the time this comes out, like that's the I think I well, I think I mentioned this on the Boney Island Whitefish. We booked a venue in Canberra that has a small stage and a very big stage, and we are in the I would say unenviable position as now. 
having sold some more tickets than will fit in the small stage area. Yeah, yeah and exactly. of course, Justin Trudeau is not coming, which is really going to like fuck up the whole sort of agenda. Yeah, he's actually going to be protesting the show. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> also, actually, just an admin thing about Australia is if you are attending the shows in Australia and you would like to purchase limited edition tour merchandise, uh, uh, there will be posters, t-shirts, stickers, etc. And you can buy those, but due to boring Australian government regulatory reasons, we can only accept cash. Some might say this is very stupid because it encourages tax evasion, but for some reason we will not be able to accept card payments. To be clear, we are not evading tax. We are not evading tax, but someone could, in theory. Yeah, we we are not evading tax, but the system seems stupid and designed to encourage that. Uh, Anyway, anyway. All of that being said, thank you when again. When I called the Australian tax office about this, they said they did not know. Yeah, they literally <laughs> said, oh, you should probably call the government about that. And they were like, well, <laughs> it doesn't come up for us very often. I'm like, wow, what do people normally call here about? The weather? <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right. We got we to gotta get out of here. Uh, we got to let Jess go. We got to let you go. I got to go to dinner. Yeah. Uh, so thank you, everyone. Offset this episode. By going uh, to we're going to leave for Australia tomorrow when mm. this comes out. We'll have left for Australia a few days ago by the time this comes out. Yeah, which is six months ago already. Six months ago <laughs> and is next year. Your, your mm. chance to stop the Trash Future Boys from going to Australia may already have passed you, you know? And now you just have to yeah. adapt to them being in Australia. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so. Uh, get your evacuation plans ready. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Have your Trash Future plan ready. <laughs> trash Future merch table that's submerged underwater. And also on fire. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye. 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 Bye.